Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Block Party. I'm your host, Mike Wall. Thanks for watching. You can subscribe and review on our Process to Perform channel on YouTube. Hit me up, Michael68 on X, on X, Twitter. You'll uh, have to uh, deal with this wonderful lighting that I have here in the hotel room. I'm in uh, currently in Hauenstein, Germany, doing a couple different things, uh, some of which are football-related. should be exciting. But we're going to talk Green Bay Packers football, as always, uh, before we do. Thanks to our sponsor, Bet Online. As always, Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up to the minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoff with in game live betting contests and the best player props pools. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile devices. So head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. And remember to use your promo code BELIEVE, that's B L A B, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts, and, um, you know, honestly, this is kind of a tough part of the year. Uh, the one thing that before we talk about anything, congratulations to the Packers for restructuring Preston Smith's contract. I know that probably wasn't a big shock to anyone. I think they saved like $2.5 million on the cap, but it means he'll be back for next year. Uh, like most people on this show realize, I think he's, um, you know, definitely – arguably our defensive MVP and in, in the level of consistency that he's displayed over the last couple of seasons can't be understated. But today we're going to talk a little bit uh, uh, and turn our attention to the centers. And I need to say this out loud because the real question is, do we need to replace Josh Myers, right? And he was a you know, high round draft pick out of Ohio state following in another Ohio state legend, Corey Lindsley at, at that position that was just was so good for the green Bay Packers for a number of years, obviously made a big free agent deal with the chargers. Congratulations to him. And going through some stuff right now, um, but I think I think there's a really really high level player inside Josh Myers just fighting to get out, and I, I feel like we've been looking at this through the prism of his first year, how promising it was. Second year, it maybe a step back. Last year, it, roller coaster. But the guy's got all the physical qualities that you need to be successful. Here's what happens a lot of times, especially at the, the center position. At the center position, it is imperative. It is absolutely imperative that you are a master technician because the center is responsible for so many calls and adjustments pre-snap. And so, for example, if you have 50-50 footwork, meaning 50% of the time it's good, 50% of the time it's bad, you don't have good footwork. And if you have to make a bunch of different calls, you have to do a different mic check that you got to remember what the snap counts are. You have so many things. You're telling the right guard what to do. You're telling the left tackle where to look. The running back's got to make this check. You're doing all this stuff, then they hike the ball. You've got to block this, you know, 350 pound defensive tackles on your left. You got to make a good step with your left foot. If it's not exact, like if you can't get in the right body position, you're done. If you take, if you step underneath yourself on an outside zone reach because you're thinking about too many other things, you got a real problem. And I think what Josh is, the inconsistency has just been, he's not really a master technician with his footwork yet. And when he gets to that point, I think you're going to see the player that when the Green Bay Packers draft him, that they thought they envisioned, oh, this is going to be the next Corey Lindsley. Um, it's, it really is important. They don't have to do – I mean, you think about the center has to do the least amount of kind of man one-on-one blocking on the offensive line, but they do have all these other cerebral responsibilities. And 
as we know, one of the biggest part of the games, the biggest part of the games is is played from you know the, the the neck up. So if you don't have that part of it, what kind of fails first is your footwork and your technique, your body position. So I think there's something in there. Certainly, I thought he made some strides from year from year two to year three. But it doesn't hurt to look because as you look across this this Green Bay offense, really the offensive line is the only position you look at and go, okay, if we're going to upgrade anything, it's going to be something along the offensive line. Obviously, you have the questions that we thought we tackled last year uh, last week with David Bakhtiari, Elgin Jacobs, and Zach Tom are, are going to are um, in one case are you know secured stars in this league. On the other hand, I think you know Zach Tom could be one of the better right tackles in the league. And so you're looking at the right guard and center position. Um, there are a couple guys out in the draft this year that might fit the bill to at least let's just at the very least provide competition at the position. And I think a couple of these guys can be really dominant. Um, and when you say that really dominant, like I'm thinking like little Charles Bentley dominant. I'm thinking like that. I'm thinking like Corey Lindsay dominant. I'm thinking guys that are really, really high level players. Um, I don't know if there's a, a Tyler Bomb from, you know, the Baltimore guy. I don't know if there's one of those guys in, in the draft. Um, but certainly there's some really, really high quality players for me, the center position in today's offenses, it need that center needs to be more nimble than massive, right? You can have. A, a leverage player. This has kind of always been the case, but I think with the zone stuff and all the things you have to do at the second level, the pulling, everything that they're asked to do now, to have a nimble guy that understands leverage, that can just get and play the second level, is it, you know, just has really good technique to play square and understand and make all the calls. Like that's way more important than just having a huge road barrier. If you have both, best of both worlds, fantastic. But what I did is look at the top 10 guys and I just found the two fastest guys because I've told you before, and I know this goes against a lot of the experts and the draft experts out there. I have yet to find a fast lineman who can't play football in the National Football League. Yeah, you show me one. Zach Tom is a great example. You run a you run a five a five or sub five forty. You're going to be able to play in this league, right? Because you're just too good an athlete. We don't we don't we. I don't even know if they test for it anymore, but they should be. So I took two kids that run five flats. There's no sub four projected guys yet. I know the draft hasn't the, the combine hasn't been yet, but two two projected uh, five flat guys. And then I just found another guy whose forty time isn't blinding, but. This kid just makes total sense. He's just a dude you want on offensive line. So I'm going to present in order of, of the way I looked at these guys. The first two are the are the two fastest guys in camp. Jackson Powers Johnson uh, out of Oregon, 6'3", 334 pounds. Massive dude, but he runs a five flat. He's arguably the fastest guy in the center position in the, in the 2024 draft, at least from the top kind of 10 centers. Monster by, I'll just give you my quick notes and then we'll watch the tape. Monster body that can really move. Explosive as anyone you're going to see in the position right now in the National Football League. He's that kind of hip strength. Guy can put his foot in the ground and just move humans. Again, incredible hips for a big man. He plays with great awareness. He likes to punch and extend. His ability to punch and extend is is high, high level, especially compared to the rest of this group. He does have an upright body profile that that, um, his athleticism masks more often than not. He is, he's, he's huge, 334 pounds, great hips, fast. So he does play upright. It does affect his footwork when he's got like a tight nose tackle on him. So he's got a tight shade that's like really a penetrator. He does have a tendency to step underneath himself. He, he loses leverage a little bit. He'll let a guy get into his chest. And he does give up his chest sometimes in pass pro. So he does put his hands down. He is good with his hands. But when you get him, especially when you see some of the combine stuff, he gets in a guard. Maybe we don't care about that as much because I think he's just going to play center. But when he does open up, there are a couple times his feet go the wrong way. Gets a little bit underneath himself with his footwork, but that chest does expose itself. 
and as a, as a defensive tackle, what you're looking for is, man, can I get my hands, both hands on that chest? Can I bowl? Can I can I start doing moves off of that now? I don't know, honestly, how much that's going to affect this guy because when you say a center's 334 pounds and runs a five flat, his ability to drop anchor is ridiculous. So I just don't know if he's playing against, you know, Dexter Lawrence in, in, for the New York Giants and he gets bowled. Like, I, he might be able to take that first handprint and still drop anchor on this. I, I can't say that he – that, that's that's a that's an impossible scenario. He just is a very very good athlete. Let's let's check him out first and foremost. One sec here. So watch him put his foot in the ground and just get north and south as good as he can for a big man. This is a, a lot of the stuff. Listen. We're watching tape. Like, I'm not watching the football, right? Because a lot of this stuff is RPO. So they're running the run play. If quarterback serves the throw, it's not my business, okay? They're still trying to execute the play as it as it um, is going to turn out for the – in the inevitability that they hand the ball off to the running back. But that is just a, a very good example of a guy that can shift, put his foot in the ground, explode through that defensive tackle, turn his shoulders, and get vertical. Gets arms extended early, likes to lock out players, really dominates with hands. Once he gets his hands on you and extends out, shows over, ready, drops his hips, does a good job of shuffling laterally. Really, really good. Really good awareness here. So he's got to see everything. It kind of opens up here, and they run a game, an ET on the other side. The right guard actually gets picked here, but the center comes up and jumps over to the B-gap, takes care of that for him. Again, you can't pick up everything if you're just watching the football. When you're watching film, you're working film. you got to be able to kind of appreciate some of the stuff that goes on that nobody sees. Talked about it fast and projected center. So you watch him just come off the ball here and just see that hip explosion. Now, sometimes when you're that fast, you got to let your feet chase your hips. Gets a little bit overextended here. Gets a, it ends up getting kind of losing this guy late. When you get that much pop, you got to be able to settle back down control yourself, get low, get those hips back low again, marry the guy up, go hip to hip, and now you can kind of take him wherever he wants to go. He gets a little bit overextended here and gets beat. You got to get those hips back underneath, but that's just a technical thing. You can fix that easily. You just see the little details of when you're in a hole call, which means that you don't have anybody to block and you're the center, you're kind of playing center field here. You stay square to the line of scrimmage for as long as you can in case there's an in rocker. You don't want to get picked because you pick one side or the other. You want those shoulders, hips, knees, and toes pointed towards the line of scrimmage as long as possible, so it's easy to make these switches with the right guard. Come over and help here. Just little things. Again, that might not matter to everybody, but when I see that, I just know he's not going to get picked. It's real simple. Got a back block, and you just see the power and the extension that he has to open this hole up. This is actually supposed to be an outside play, and this happens twice. I'll show two clips of this. He is so dominant at the point of attack, and he can move that backside D-tackle off the spot. This D-tackle doesn't do a great job, and I'll show you why, but the ability to extend that extend that hole is really phenomenal. So he gets that out. He gets that arm extended. And you can see this defensive tackle should be following that guard, and he's really not. He's not doing a great job here. Maybe it's because he has quarterback responsibility, but I don't think so. But he just the center extends that A-gap hole between the double team and himself. That is not supposed to be the hole they're running through. It just happens to work out because he does such a phenomenal job. Same idea here. They're running the double pull for, for a power or a gap look. 
the running back's really supposed to follow the puller here. But because the center just does a phenomenal job, both linebackers rush over, play over the top. But the center does such a phenomenal job of just shutting the gate against a good player on the defensive line of the uh, University of Washington. Running back just takes it right down the barrel, you know, for an easy six-yard pickup. Being able to stay square, this guy ends up getting on that edge. You can just see he's able to sink immediately and just drive through that player to the point which when he extends his hips, he actually ends up knocking his right guard right on his ass. And just fighting to stay square, it's a little thing, but immediately when you're going to get bull rushed on your left side, you know, your left hand wants to come up after you snap, but a lot of guys drop that back foot. You see his back foot is dropped, but he does such a good job of trying to keep his shoulder pads towards the line of scrimmage. He doesn't give up an edge. Phenomenal job by this young man. And you can just see the power that he has on the lockout. This defensive tackle has no chance. And you forgive the uh, forgive some of the other yellow lines here. I take this off TV copy. He can clean up his footwork. We talked about this. So he false steps here with his backside foot instead of driving on this, and it ends up he ends up giving away leverage to a player that he already had leverage on. So there's some little things because of his. You know, sometimes when you're really strong, really explosive and athletic, you kind of let your footwork go. But when you get to the National Football League level, this isn't going to pay. You just want to make sure you can always, you know, if you have leverage, keep leverage all the time. So I got some clips in here from the Senior Bowl just because I wanted to see some more stuff. A couple of these, you see he kind of gives up an edge. Good job getting the hand inside. That's not going to work necessarily when you got the pads taped to you. We see this left guard. You see his hands out. He's got his right hand out. He takes it right in the chest here. So I don't think this is a position that people are going to be looking at and going, yeah, we want him to play here, although he certainly could from a physical standpoint. He's more – it just seems like the center position where it's where he wants to be. He steps forward. His feet are not really in a position to be successful, but you see that right hand just wins on the hip, and he just buries this guy into the ground. He's just so explosive and powerful. Backside here, you got poor footwork again. He wins with that inside hand. When I say poor footwork, that amount of stagger at the center position, you're just begging a guy to beat you across your face. He does get beat here, but he wins with that hand again. I think right here, if we're being honest, he's beat. Um, when you when you have your pads taped up, he's not going to be able to grab that backside jersey, but you just see his ability to bury a guy because he's so strong. And, again, at the guard position in particular, hands a little bit down. You see that we want to get – Square to the line of scrimmage. He's got a huge stagger already. He's already a little bit turned. He's got doesn't have that no numbers mentality. We can see his entire number. We see senior bowl. We see his number. So that that defensive tackle is thinking, man, like I can just pull the hell out of this guy. But he's so powerful. And that and the other thing is when you when you get your feet turned, as you saw, he ends up stepping down and then rocking back, open up like a hand of a clock. And so really, he's in the pocket already. You see this one again. He's got that that toe pointed out instead of bat or instead of straight up and uh, front and back. And he doesn't really get his hands on the guy, but he's so powerful. He just braces up and ends up bearing this guy to the ground. And that's really what you see over and over when watching uh, Jackson powers. He just is incredibly strong, incredibly explosive. He gets a good technical coach, man. It's he's, you know, he's a first round draft pick. He's a, he's a good, good player. Number two, Tanner Bordellini. Now, I brought this guy's Wisco kid. So there's two reasons I got him. One, Packers, Wisconsin, Tausher. They want to, they want to draft another Tausch. 6'3, 305. He runs a five flat again. He projected five flat in the 40. 
So good little athlete, not nearly the size. He's more of what you think of when you think of a center, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", 305, 315 pounds, something like that. Plays with good awareness, always moves off doubles to a great body position. I really like this guy's body position to second level. He does have the foot speed to gain leverage on larger defenders and then keep leverage on larger defenders. So he gets himself in the right position to be successful. You know, I'm talking about back blocks, down blocks, et cetera. I think he generally plays with a good body position. The big area of opportunity for him is his hands are just not what they need to be. They need to be much more precise. They need to be much more violent, both at the line of scrimmage and at the second level. That's what we're going to see on tape. Really good mover. Again, this is a technical thing, so this isn't something that can't be overcome. But when I look at this stuff now and you go to a big-time college, I'm always wondering. It's not like I'm never wondering, like, can you overcome this? I'm wondering, like, why, why has it gotten this far? So we see the uh, <clears throat> we see the nose tackle is going to take the A gap, and then we're going to get the, the linebacker dog across to his backside A. So center, they do a little switch. Does a good job of coming off here and redirecting the the uh, the blitzing backer. And we see here we're running a double backside. Got the guard coming around, and this is just he's just down blocking here. My point is on a situation where it's very would be very easy to get over the top by this nose tackle. He does a really good job with his hands and hat of getting itself in the position to be successful and then winning with his feet and not letting this guy get over in, you know, until five yards downfield. We're going to the second level here, and you just see the great double gets good movement at the line of scrimmage, has good footwork on this one, good body position, good leverage, hips are engaged. Goes north and south. Great body position at second level. Just got to improve hand position, right? If you improve hand position, get your hands inside here. The linebacker's able to strike with two hands, and so he's going to be able to shed this block. If he can get his hands inside, we're doing exactly what we want. We can punch and separate, run the linebacker off the ball. Not a bad job at all. We're just kind of looking at you know, how people operate, what their process is. So we're going to go down and around here. we got two linebackers coming. The uh, center's left. It's closer to, to closer to us. The defensive tackle is going to go. It's going to stun outside. We're going to get a linebacker crew to the A-gap, and then we're going to get the second linebacker to wrap around. So he's got to have great vision here. Sees one. He gets picked here by the and the running backs need to, needs to step up. So he gets picked, comes back around. He actually does a good job. The running back helps him. He does a good job of recovering. And one thing you can say about this guy, he does get beaten pass pro from time to time, but he does a generally a good job of recovering. He's a good little athlete, just has to improve that initial contact. This is not his fault at all. I'm demonstrating what a good job he does of recovering more so than anything else. This is what we're talking about, though. That left hand, when you're a center and you've got a good NFL defensive tackle in front of you, when your snap hand goes up, your left hand goes up. You got a shock and punch, whether you punch in the face mask, punch in the neck, et cetera. You've got to get it up. You got to be able to punch and extend that off hand. It's got to work in, in unison with your left foot. His struggles, he gets his left hand batted down a lot. I think it happened at the senior bowl as well. Now, the right, the left guard, excuse me, helps a little bit. He gets back in position here, but it's just not what you're looking for. If you keep it, if you keep yeah, if you get beat initially in the National Football League, usually it ends up in, you know, something bad's happening. You're not going to be able to recover. I don't know why I kept this in. Nice little run by the quarterback, and he got, knocked, he got knocked off there. Good job saving the guard here as far as they're doing a slide. He goes a little bit much, but I think he does a good job of bracing off here. We're talking about the center. So guard goes through. They're running like a, a Louie. 
a left uh, a three man slide to the left. Center has to drop anchor and brace up. Does a really good job. Almost buckles the knees of the defensive tackle there. So you see the strength and see you see the leverage. Tries to finish him off. Again, he's just catching with that left hand, and it's not a question of can you recover against Iowa, right? In the uh, in the Big Ten you know, football game, it's whether you can recover against Dexter Lawrence, you know, in the in front of eighty thousand at MetLife. You just want to be able to get to that point where you feel really good about that backside hand. We'll see it here again. He's just getting pressed on that hand all the time. He ends up getting help, so it doesn't look like anything. But as you're watching these at these uh, pass rushes, if you don't see that hand extended, unless you're like, you know, Jackson Powers Johnson, 334 pounds, which he actually does extend, but if you don't see that extension, you got a real problem. And then every once in a while, you lose leverage for a step here. So he steps with his backside foot, loses leverage, literally goes away from who he's trying to block, and so now he's high into contact. He's high into contact, and now he just pushes this guy sideways with the left guard instead of really getting vertical on him. And the and the, the defensive tackle is kind of able to push him away from the play. And then because of that, they can't get off on the linebacker. And you go, well, Mike, they made a good play there. Yeah, sure. The running back makes a good cut backside tackle, does his job. And they did get moving on the nose tackle, but you're not trying to get pushed because you're under, you're, you're taking false steps and they're getting their, their shoulder pads into your chest and able to move you sideways. That's not what we're looking for. All right. Last guy here. And I I wasn't sure who if I was going to use another person or not. And then I saw Zach Frazier of West Virginia. 6'2", 315, former high school wrestler, I believe four-time heavyweight state champ. Okay, And you can tell. What I mean by that is wrestlers are different than every other high school athlete in the country. They just are. I don't know how to explain it. They're they, they can enjoy pain a little bit better or easier than everybody else. They understand leverage a lot better than everyone else. Their core strength is better than everyone else. Their ability to recover from bad position is better than everyone else. You know, we'd like to – I was a basketball player. A lot of football teams like to draft basketball players. Football, or wrestlers, they just have – there's just something different about them. They're just – they have that we, – we, we call it dad strength. They got dad strength in spades. So this guy is one of those dudes. Core strength is off the charts. He's always in good body position. He can recover leverage as well as anyone in the draft. He understands center of mass like a wrestler would, like a wrestler should. He's good on his redirects. He's great in small spaces. He's not – I think he runs a 5-2, projected 5-2. So he's not the explosive guy that, that uh, Jackson Powers Johnson is, okay? But this guy moves and uses his leverage as well as any veteran in, in the National Football League. He's not as good as every veteran in the National Football League Center, but I'm saying the way that he moves around, the way he uses leverage is elite, elite, elite. Can't teach it at this level. You gotta have to. You have to live that life of a, a wrestler. I think. Really, really special player. Let's take a peek. So, first thing you notice: just balance, body position, and footwork. The guy is kind of always. You just. You just imagine. There's like an anchor dropping directly underneath him, like under the ground somewhere, and that's where his center of mass is. Like he's never getting just waylaid off the, off the uh, like the side rush. Good job here of just redirecting, stay square for as long as possible. You see him getting to the second level here. 
stays on the angle. Run, or linebacker gets all screwed up here, but you just see from a body position standpoint, entering into contact, staying on that track, not trying to square up and play and let the guy play over the top, doing everything that you're supposed to do. Guy makes linebacker makes the mistake. You just always see when they make these plays, you know, is the guy balanced and extended? Does he have his hands out and punching this guy and getting him away from his body? Or is he kind of riding him over the top and, and you know, number 30 in this case has his shoulder pads on, on his on his chest and able to reach out and extend on this running back. This guy does a really good job of getting he's because he's always in a balanced position, gets his hands out, extended, takes this with ease. Forget that yellow line. Just watch the game. We got the blue first. Linebacker coming second. He's looking. Leans in to receive this. Shoulder pad to shoulder pad, and then immediately gets hands inside. You see that right hand wins. Immediately fights back to get square, get leverage. Quarterback escapes that way, obviously, but great, great job of receiving that that uh, that T linebacker game. Don't watch the ball here. Sometimes, again, we miss things. We miss things when we just watch the football. So they run a little TT game, and they're going to run a, an RPO. I believe an RPO or an option. Center's going to step to his left. Man disappears. This is big time. Step, pop back immediately, attack the defensive tackle. There's a huge hole here. There's a huge hole if they want to run it. Quarterback ends up keeping this ball. But a huge hole because he does a good job stepping back. Again, square position to the line of scrimmage. So when this guy wants to go around and try to maybe slingshot around the center, because the center is square to the line of scrimmage, he doesn't lean back into that guard, he doesn't turn his shoulders. This D-tackle has nothing to attack. Just an easy pickup. Always got his always has his hands inside. We see this not maybe as much as we used to, but just from an athletic standpoint, you like to see that they, they use a pop L or a pop R. I mean, they're going to pop the center out over the tackle. He's kind of the guy that's going to pick up the, the slot blitz. So if we're looking at a pop L call for right now, he's going to look at the the center's going to look at the linebacker over the top of him to the slot. But he's going to pop out immediately, and the quarterback's going to be hot on the other side. So he ends up picking this up with no problem. Yeah, it's a really that's an athletic thing for a center to do, and not a lot of teams do it as much anymore. But it just shows you that, and all the, the different ways that they have him pulling shows you what an athlete he is, and what a good kind of center of gravity he plays with. So the right guard doesn't do a good good job here with his first step, and he's a little bit out of position. So he puts the center in a bad position from a combo standpoint. They want to kind of get in a trail look. And really, there, there's a huge separation between the, where the right guard's kind of right, left hip is and where the center is. He overcomes this, which is, should be a tackle for loss, quite, quite frankly. But he sinks back down. You see here, he really tries to stay and fight to get square, get that helmet across, and ends up bearing this guy. Not a good play, but it is a good demonstration of what this kid is capable of, even if he's in a bad position. And then we see here defeating the bull rush, so they're going to bring both linebackers and try to isolate the center for the bull. And he just drops this guy, hands inside, drop, down, shakes him just like Mike Flanagan used to do back in the 2000s, man. Really, really good stuff. So I love that kid. I think he's super talented. You know, overall, given where the Packers are, we talked about last week where the O-line room is, 
uh, where they've been since, you know, Steno left that room, became offensive coordinator, now with Buckus. Which guy would I pick? Uh, I think I, you know, probably made it obvious. Zach, I love what Zach Frazier brings to the table. I just don't, you just don't see, when you watch his tape, you just don't see him struggling with anything. And I didn't watch the senior bowl tape, so maybe he did. You know, I don't know if I take one-on-ones at the senior bowl as maybe seriously as some other, some of these other guys do. Um, but I just, when I watch tape of them, and, you know, it's small sample size, fair enough, but, you know, the way guys move is the way guys move, regardless of who you play and things don't change. Your, your, your process is your process, right? You have to, you have to fundamentally change something in this tape to make me think that he's going to struggle somewhere else. I, I just think he's a, a real, real talent. Um, I think I have a couple listener questions. If you guys want to thank you for sending these in. Uh, let's see here. Full breakdown of Rasheed Walker from this past season. I don't have tape on it, but I think everybody's seen the same thing. Obviously, won the job early from from um, from Yash. What, why did he win the job? Well, he's a great mover. He's re- he's better in the run game than Yash, uh, measurably measurably better. He also moves laterally very well. I think he has good footwork. You saw a little bit uh, towards the middle of the season when they were kind of battling for position again, the jockeying for that spot. Well, why is he why is he losing out a little bit? Well. Pass set was rough. He wasn't comfortable with his pass set. Um, he opened up a little bit too early, too often. Wasn't really powerful with his hands. He didn't do a good job of sticking his hips. Later in the year, what you see when he had started having a little bit more success, learning how to drop deep. The back Bakhtiari does such a good job of getting out of the hole and settling and dropping deep, trying to stay square for as long as possible, and just forcing, really being able to sit on the bowl because you're forcing the bowl. They run the, we just call it running out of options from a defensive end standpoint. You really have nothing to do when you get to a certain point as far as distance from the line of scrimmage, you've gotten into your rush. If your chop club rip's not there because the guy's sitting back or sitting square, or if you don't have an edge to attack, really you got a stutter bull and that's about it. And I think he did a pretty good job towards the end of the year of just sitting back, being patient, and sitting on it and, and just waiting for that stutter bull and doing a good job of extending out. He's got a lot of work to do, and I think that leads to the second question. Um, is 69 that much of an upgrade over Walker where you make a sense of the financial part? Yes. If he's healthy, I mean, if you thought it was a hundred percent chance that he's going to start the season, he's going to start the season healthy, and every indication that he can play the entire year, yes, he's worth it. And I, some people are going to say that's stupid because we won a certain amount of games. We're, I think we're eighth in, in the league in points on in mm-hmm. offense. I told, I said this to you last last week. There are certain players in the National Football League that are a level above their peer group, and um, given Bakhtiari, when healthy. And he's demonstrated this in the last two, three years. When when he plays, when he's on the field, he's the best player the Packers have any position, offense or defense. It's not even close. So the difference that that makes for the Packers offense for Matt LaFleur as a play caller, expands your playbook, allows you to run potentially deeper routes, allows you to uh, uh, use resources maybe on uh, a different, you know, double team and a different player allows you to run to that side of the football without any help. So it, it just allows a lot of things, allows maybe gives a little bit more confidence to Jordan Love, knowing that, you know, he's really safe over there. So there's just so much that goes into that. You can't really put it. I mean, I suppose you have to put a price on that, but when you're talking about the difference between player A and player B, when player A is a hall of famer, it's like, you keep, and he's still playing it. If you think he's still playing at a high level, you just you keep him as long as you can. Um, and then the second part, does Ryan appear to be a legit starting right guard? Do you have an eye on someone that drafted him? 
they're, they're going to bring a bunch of guys in, or at least one serious contender for that position. I don't think – I've said it before. I don't think John Rennie Jr. is going to be back. I think he's going to go try to find a starting position somewhere else. The writing is kind of on the wall there. When you start splitting time like you do, that means the coach thinks that you're probably not the guy. Um, Sean Ryan's going to get his chance to start. If they brought it, I still think they need us. They don't have a stud on this. If Bakhtiari's not there, they don't have a stud on the team. There's not a guy where you point to and go, when we need a, a guy to step up and just start knocking heads and moving bodies and knocking people over piles and making people worried about getting – you know, getting embarrassed versus going to make our running back, you know, a tackle on the running back. Like, I don't know who that guy is right now. I know that we have guys that could be that. I just don't know that they are that. So that personality might not be in that locker room right now. You might have to go find it. Um, John Foster on Mizzou, I can check out later. A couple questions from last week. The big thing is, you know, do you like uh, Fatano? Do you like uh, Fatuano? Uh, do you like Morgan? You know, why is the age matter? Listen, when it comes to age, you, I think it matters a little bit when you talk about a quarterback position. Um, like Bo Nix, you know, if you're, you know, what is it, an eighth-year senior, whatever, I know he's not that. But if if you've been in the league, I think there's some good things. You see with Brock Purdy, you get a lot of reps. You know, you, you come in, maybe you're a little bit more prepared. But when you're looking at, like, a left guard, left tackle, is he, you know, it's hard because you know that the ceiling physically is is a lot smaller as, as it pertains to where he is right now, than maybe a 21 year old. Like when I was 21, I was nowhere near where I was when I was 26 or 27, but obviously at 24, I was a lot closer. Um, but I think for me, I think the UW kid's footwork really separates him from the other guys we, we talked about last week. And that's not going to change. And the lifespan, you know, when you're thinking about picking up somebody in the first couple of rounds, that's what those guys would be. Um, the lifespan of that player for the, the Packers as a fan, as a, as a general manager, you're thinking five years. You're like, I got the guy for five years. We don't know what's going to happen after that. So at 29 years old, that guy's in, you know, should be in his prime. So if you want to resign him at that point, then you got another four years. So you got him for nine years. At 33, if you're saying that, hey, I get a guy for nine years and he plays at a high, high level, maybe makes a couple of Pro Bowls, maybe he's an all-pro guy, maybe he's just a glue player. But I got him for nine years because I drafted him at 24 and I didn't get him for 12. Do I feel like I got I didn't get the value? I think you're a fool if you if, if you feel that way. So that's tough for me. Um, I do understand the age thing. Certainly I came when I was really young, but you know, at, when you're really young, you got a lot to learn. You and emotionally and, and some of that stuff, you're a little bit immature. At least I was. So, guys, thanks for watching. I think that'll do it for this week. Uh next week, I don't know. We might go to guards, might go some defensive stuff. I haven't really dissected that press conference because I've been over here. That was on, I think, with half me on maybe on Monday. Um, interesting tidbits that came out of that, certainly. But uh, I know the combines this week. Who knows if? Who knows what scouts are even showing up anymore? I, I think I think McVeigh was that just said our coaches don't need to go this anymore because it, it really is just it's a uh, it's like a you know it's like a beer garden festival uh, over at the over at the combine really more more so than actually watching those players. I know that some. Teams do a great job of through the interview process. The medical process is so important, but you hear some of the questions that come out of there and some of these coaches, some of the things they ask, it's kind of embarrassing. So um, I think pro days make a lot more sense. I mean, let's try this one may work. Yeah, a little bit. All right. Hey, subscribe, rate, review us on that uh, prostitute reform page, guys. Thanks a lot. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.